0: This episode is brought to you by Canadian Journalists for Free Expression. Go to cjfe.org to become a member and help them protect the rights of Canadians everywhere, not just journalists. I am a member. Please become one too, cjfe.org. This episode is also brought to you by Squarespace, the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Start building your website today at squarespace.com and use the offer code CanadaLand at checkout to get 10% off. Ishmael Darrow. That's me. Social news editor. That's what they call me. For BuzzFeed Canada. Welcome back to Candleland Shortcuts. Thanks for having me back. Ishmael, we're going to talk about all of the Americans fleeing the United States because of the coming Trump presidency. We're going to talk about skinny basic cable. And we're going to talk about whether or not journalists should hand over their files to the RCMP if their files include correspondence with ISIS members. Exciting stuff. Glad to have you here. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Cameron McLean, Eric, Jai Parler, Brendan Spearin, Andrew Lewin, Flora, and Chris Lloyd. This episode is also brought to you by Squarespace. I talk about Squarespace, Ishmael, on the show from time to time. Today I actually went and looked at the templates where you can just like take one of these websites and fill in your own information to make it your website. They're beautiful. You just plug in your photos, your business like there's themes there's variations on the themes you don't need to reinvent the wheel right not every website out there needs to be built from the ground up with original code i've been through this whole process before they have really slick designers who have made a lot of beautiful designs for you and you can just go on to squarespace.com right now play with these doesn't cost you anything to start building your website based on these beautiful templates and using their elegant interface, you get incredible 24-7 customer support. And when you do decide to become a customer and have one of these beautiful adaptive websites, looks great on a tablet, looks great on a, on a phone, when you do decide that you want that, use the offer code CanadaLand, you'll get 10% off. Build it beautiful. That's actually not the slogan anymore. What, it's not? No, it's Oh not my the God. slogan anymore.
1: Okay, i got to stop saying no, that. No,
0: no, you just, Yeah. <laughs> This show is sponsored by BetterHelp, therapy online that has served over 3 million people around the world, and BetterHelp is available here in Canada. A lot of people have various blocks or reasons why they don't just reach out for that help, and one thing you'll hear people say is they just don't have the time. I would like to mount a different uh, argument here, which is that if you are talking to a mental health professional, if if you're chatting with somebody about your life and about your priorities, you can clear away a lot of the clutter. You can actually find yourself... And because you listen to the show, you get ten percent off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash Canadaland. Once again, it's better dot com along with five free travel packs. You'll get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2, along with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash Canada Land. That is drinkag1.com slash Check it out.
1: The island's all abuzz today about a visit from CNN. A news crew has spent the day in the Sydney area capturing many of the sites and meeting the people. The very qualities that were first revealed in that viral website, cbiftrumpwins.com. This is real in the sense that Cape Breton Island has piqued the interest of hundreds of thousands of people. The local tourism agency got involved fielding calls
0: from interested Americans and media from around the world. All right, so all these Americans, if Trump wins, I'm moving to Canada. Mm -hmm. I think this country needs to learn a lesson I learned in high school. When a pretty girl says... Doug? Ew, he's so conceited. I would date Jesse before I date Doug. (laughs) That's not a compliment. Like, it's very exciting to hear a pretty girl, like, say my name, Mm -hmm. but she wasn't complimenting me. Right, your second choice. We're going to move to Canada. Didn't we hear this during the W? First of all, they didn't move to Canada. No,
1: that's true. Look, we hear it every couple years, and it's always funnier when it's Republicans saying, that's it, I'm moving to Canada, because presumably it's going to be worse off for them here. But I think there's something different about this one. And I'm only saying that because I, I wrote a story about it and I talked to real estate agents who were saying, we're actually getting calls. It's not just tweets and Facebook messages. There's Americans who look at the island and Cape Breton is gorgeous. And they think, well, okay, housing prices are very reasonable. Maybe. I don't think it's that serious. And it's certainly there's like more of a media circus about it than like real interest. But I think maybe the Trump migration is slightly more real than the Romney migration and the Bush migrations before that.
0: I think that Cape Breton is taking advantage of a very good opportunity for some free publicity that might boost their tourism for a year. Oh, sure. But the idea that they're actually going to like pull up their stakes and move here. First of all, what is this assumption that you can just move here, right? (laughs) Like, oh yeah, any American just move to Canada whenever they feel like it, if they're not happy with the political climate, you can't just move to Canada. I I had American friends at university, they tried to stay here. We booted them out. Like you need to go through a very complicated process to become a Canadian, it's y- not that yeah. easy. Well, they didn't have a
1: compelling enough political story, I think. <laughs> what were they? Art students with no job prospects? <laughs> right now, you're
0: a refugee of exactly. Donald Trump. Yeah, so the Trump thing, like we are losing our shit. I mean, everybody's losing their shit, and this is how he plays the media up and down. But it's just like particularly sickening to see, like they're sending a news crew from CNN to cape breton we're sending a news crew to film that news crew (laughs) yeah that is a new level of desperation
1: yeah but you know it touches all the sweet spots of canadian obsessions about like americans paying attention to us us feeling superior to americans we just want to be involved it's such a weird wacky election
0: why don't you let us just have this (laughs) jesse We can have it. There's nothing stopping us from being as obsessed with the coverage as anybody else. But don't make it about us. It's not about us. Mm -hmm. Guys, it's not about us. Okay.
1: Sounds like you're not going to put up any American
0: refugees in your house. I have a GoFundMe active right now. If we can help just one American refugee family, it make all the difference
1: as of today cable companies have to offer low-cost basic packages to their customers as ordered by the crtc the crtc has mandated a package of so-called skinny basic channels for 25 dollars a month you can get what you actually want to watch that's not how that worked out no <laughs> not at all do you have cable i do yeah yeah uh, i was a cord cutter and then in, in the last couple of years i just couldn't not have live news Uh so i got cable again and then the packages you know I, i kept kind of bumping it up for sports for this for that now i have a really expensive cable package that you know it's too much for me now the money's too much
0: yeah absolutely so are you going to downgrade to skinny basic well i looked at it you know i was
1: excited about this and there's been some good writing about this i think the globe had a really good rundown about what all the various cable companies are offering you and it's a complete scam for 25 bucks, you get
0: nothing. And <laughs> they, they charge you extra it's for the cable $25. box. It's not $25. It's not at all. Yeah. Depending on who you're with, there's like a $3 digital charge. Then there's like, if you want Bell 5, it's $15 a month for the PVR. Or you could buy the box for $500. That's a very wise tech gadget choice, I think. That's good value. Yeah. Really skinny option there. <laughs> for, for a propriety Bell PVR box. Bell does not want you to get Skinny Basic. It leaked that there was internal stuff. Don't promote this. Mm -hmm. They could include over-the-air channels like ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, and PBS. You can get all of that stuff, I believe, if you have like a $40 digital cable. Yeah. And they did not include that. That's not in their Skinny Basic.
1: There's also – they don't bundle these often. So, you know, usually if you have a phone and your internet through Bell or Rogers or something, you can bundle them all together and get a discount –
0: a lot of the telecoms are not doing that with the skinny
1: basic because, again, they just don't want you to take
0: it. Yeah. This is kicking and screaming. This is with the CRTC's boot on their throat. They're like, fine, we'll offer this. We'll bury it. We'll make it not worth anyone's while. And I don't know what to think about it because the CRTC claims that this is about protecting the Canadian cable TV system, like, which is a strange thing for the government to be invested in. Like we want Canadians to continue to have cable. I don't understand. Why. I don't give a shit about that. So, you know, they're like, this is how we're going to do it. The youths, the cord cutters, and it's not cord cutters. It's cord never haves. This is going to like convince them. And like, I had a look, I checked it out and Rogers is doing a little bit better. $25 a month gets you like, it says up to 88 channels. I don't know what that means, but that does include the American channels. That does include like, you know, right now my TV experience is very much destination viewing. I watch the shows that I really choose to watch, watch them on Netflix I download stuff and I would like to have a a legitimate way to download it and pay for it. Sometimes it exists and then I do so, sometimes it does not. Do I want to reintroduce into my life this other kind of TV watching experience? And that's the real question. It's not a cost thing for me. It's like, do I want to bring into my house channel flipping again? Mm -hmm. Which is different than like, oh, I really want to see this new show. Yeah. I mean, having not had cable for like
1: four or five years and then getting cable again in the last couple of years... I can see the appeal of both. There's actually something really like nice about flipping channels instead of looking at Netflix and being like terrified of, you know, you don't know what to choose. Yeah. You
0: have, it's very active. You have to actually have taste and like, like a decision has to be made. Whereas the narcotic experience of just like losing a couple hours to flipping Mm -hmm. and watching the news. Like I I do miss that a little bit. And I like, it's a bit annoying having to think about what do I feel like watching, but then you look at it and it's like, okay, Rogers is $25. The box is what? 12.95. It's less if you're bundled with other stuff that I don't want to be like. It, and then, a lot of it was like traditionally structured as like this tier system to get you to your Game of Thrones. They want twenty one dollars for the HBO package. Yeah, it's nuts.
1: I mean, and that's the thing. Cable still works for some people it doesn't work for other people. But for people who watch TV, like there's a few things that you really want. For me, it would be sports. And by the time I get to the TSNs and sports nets, you know, I've spent on the skinny basic model enough to just get a giant cable package. Yeah, And same with HBO, like you said. So it seems like they are following the letter of the law, but definitely not the spirit of the CRTC decision to just let people get the four or five channels they really want. And instead, they're just you're just using all these weird deceitful little tricks to get you to still spend $100 on your cable, which nobody wants to do anymore.
0: I think that worked for a long time when it was the only game in town. And then once you're sort of in their system, they just gradually bump you up. And then one day you look at your bill, holy, why am I spending $200 a month on TV? And, and then they'll do anything to get you back and they'll give you free stuff for a month. And then a year later, you notice that it's back. I mean, but the whole experience of researching this segment, looking at all the price packages of, okay, you've got to have this. And then in, in order to have Bell, you got to have internet through them. And then I looked at the Independence and V Media, And even there, They're going for that like most basic package, like $18 plus their internet service. But then you start to get into this very complicated, it is as a retail experience, it's the opposite of the app experience. It's the opposite of the Netflix $7.99, that's it, we're done. And we're just going to keep adding value without charging you anything more. Mm -hmm. You've got one burgeoning type of business model that is based on just simplicity. Like, I think that Rogers and Bell could probably have a $10 monthly fee that's like, $10 a month and we'll fuck off. We won't bother you. We won't put any hidden charges. We won't market to you. It's a part of your life that you don't want. There's added value to canceling with these companies because they make your life shittier. But, you know, the weird part is that they are really
1: fighting Skinny Basic. But at the same time, they're pushing Show Me and Crave, which is sort of their Netflix equivalent services, where it is a flat fee and you get a lot of programming that most people actually want to watch. So it's sort of baffling why, knowing that that is sort of the future of their business, they're also fighting tooth and nail to keep everybody who kind of isn't ready for that change
0: just keep them locked to these ginormous, 200, 300 channel packages. It's been very lucrative for them. And I think that we talk about this, like, oh, the progressive thing is is cord cutting, the progressive thing is online. They still have an incredible market. TV viewing is still an incredibly mainstream popular activity and they're making a fortune of it. They're just making less every year. So I think that they've got that classic dilemma of how do you cut off all that revenue to try to get ahead of these forces. And I think one thing that they're trying to do is Viceland. I know what human beings are capable of.
1: And I think it's really important uh, as girls to
0: be confident. I want to stop wars with my music. Take a shower, go to bed. Ishmael, Mm -hmm. you are a uh, downtown Toronto millennial. Oh, God, I am. (laughs) Did that hard-hitting, in-your-face content connect with you? Have you been watching Viceland since its debut, what, three days ago? Well, so I did watch a bunch yesterday in preparation. I got to say, I
1: I was a skeptic going in, but I kind of dig it. Yeah. It reminds me of um, the much music city TV stuff that I used to watch, you know, in the late 90s, where it was sort of controlled chaos. It was fun and hip, but you could easily walk away from it. I think it's an interesting channel, and the few shows that I watched were really cool, But I don't know. Again, it's tied to a cable package. I don't know if that part makes sense to me.
0: Well, right now it's the free preview. You will soon have the choice of getting it. uh, One of the bundles it's offered in, I think, by Rogers is the entertainment theme pack, where you can get it with arts and entertainment with A&E, Bravo, country music television. These are all just great taste that taste great together. Yeah, those are not the channels I would imagine going with Viceland. That's what goes with it. Huh. Which I think just speaks to, like, I don't understand this model. But for 5 bucks a month, you get all those channels. So, like. I checked it out too, and I have a few observations. Which shows did you happen to watch? So I caught something called Weedaket, where they just talk about
1: weed. They have something called Vice Labs, which is often just them listening to voicemails from listeners, which actually seems a lot like Speaker's Corner back in the days. And a couple other shows, but they all sort
0: of had the same vibe. I saw a bit of that Weedaket. I saw the Gaycation with Ellen Page. Right. Then they have their Noisy, their music show, where they like they sent this Jewish kid to Compton to the bloods part of content, to Bompton mm-hmm. and, and interviewed Kendrick Lamar. And I have a few observations to share. First of all, I will agree with you. Like it was totally compelling television. It's not TV that I would like download because I need to see the new episode. There's nothing in there that I can't live without or, or feel any like compulsion to like, to watch action Bronson eating the tasting menu is something that if I to upon it while I was channel flipping is better than the other version of that. That's exactly it, yeah. It's better music programming than what Much Music is putting on. It's better food programming than most of what I would find on the Food Channel. It is different and and the, the production values are quite high, but it's nothing that I need in my life. I feel like it is exactly the parallel that you make to like that early Much Music experience like who is this for? I think it's like a 14-year-old would watch it on their parents' cable package. Like this is cool, this is what my life is going to be like in 10 years. And then like a 54 year old might watch it. Who's <laughs> trying to think of what the teens are doing. Yeah, just vicariously. like. <laughs> I, but like, it's not the kind of content where like vice, their experience with web video of like something that is like shareable and sticky and you need to see it and you want your friends to see it. This stuff is kind of like lazy and shaggy. Like it just kind of goes on Ellen pages in Japan. They have a gay scene there. And then it does all have one vice thing that is common to so much vice content which is that it makes me feel a little bit icky. There's a scene in the Gaycation one where, like, for some reason, this Japanese guy has brought actress Ellen Page and her buddy and these cameras into his home where he's going to tell his mom that he's gay. Huh. And she says, like, I feel weird being here. I'm like, you're damn right you feel weird being here. You shouldn't be here for this. And the mother, like, this poor woman is in this repressive society, homophobic society. Her son's coming out of the closet, and there's a camera in her face. And ultimately she's cool and tolerant about it, but like you could tell she's just like, I'm completely ambushed by this and she has to like leave the room. And then like the episode where they have this like white kid in Compton, it's just bizarre. Like there's this scene where this rapper is like freestyling and the vice journalist is like, yeah, that's tight. That's tight. <laughs> and it has this tourism, journalism, tourism, exploitation vibe to it, which is common to a lot of their stuff, mm-hmm. I guess.
1: Okay. Well, just a couple of responses. responses. Okay. I'm, I'm not here to defend Vice or anything. We're not affiliated. But I caught a show called Flophouse where a bunch of comics live in the same house. Yeah. They're all doing stand-up comedy. And it was very compelling. And I watched the Action Bronson Food Show and the Weedeket one. They're all interestingly made, and a lot of that content will still be online. So even if you don't have cable, I think you'll still be able to see a lot of this.
0: They're like 44-minute shows. I don't know who's going to watch it online.
1: If you talk to young journalists around Toronto who either work advice or who have some affiliation there or who just know what's going on. There's a lot of head scratching where people go like, they're making really cool shit, but the format is kind of weird. Like how many cable subscribers, like you said, are going to be like, oh, I'll take the A&E and the Country Music Channel and also Viceland. So this does seem like maybe Rogers is pushing the cable angle way more than the Vice people normally would, but... I mean, I wish them luck, but the medium itself
0: is sort of the part I don't get. The content seems fine. Yeah, I think you you hit it. In fact, before I interviewed um, Patrick and Michael Cronish from Vice and that exchange that got a bit awkward when we confronted them about some other things, we did a live stage event at this documentary festival. And the audience was filled with, like, youngish documentary filmmakers. And they showed their reel. The reel looked great. And I turned to the audience and I said, who here has cable? And like four hands went up. And then I turned to Patrick McGuire, who's like spearheading Viceland along with Michael Cronish, And I said, Patrick, do you have cable? Mm -hmm. And he was like, I'll be getting it. (laughs) (laughs) This is Roger's play to keep the young viewer from cutting the cord. And it's so weird to see McLean's magazine pimping Viceland. They're retweeting Viceland's tweets and they're running articles on Viceland. Like it's this whole Rogers vertical integration. And there's no way if Vice was gambling with their own money, they would be directing themselves towards like, let's start a linear cable channel. That's our next move.
1: Well, look, when you have $100 million from Rogers and they say, just do something and put Vice on it. Why not? Frankly, sure. I don't see the downside from Vice's perspective.
0: No, I think that they're very good at getting desperate, you know, legacy media to give them large sums of money. And then it all was announced under a kind of banner of like, isn't this amazing? Not only are they setting up shop in Canada, but they're going to be making all this Canadian content that's going to be shown around the world. Nothing that they're launching with is their Canadian stuff except for this uh, film series. But they were speaking very proudly about a food series with Maddie Matheson and a show about indigenous people around the world. And then Ben McCoo is doing like some cybersecurity thing. I think those projects are still going, but it was interesting to me to note that none of that is what they're launching with. None of that's being shown in the States right now amid the reports that we were getting, which is that it's been like a complete clusterfuck. Production here in Canada has not gone well, and New York has been rejecting tons of the content. And the question was, are you guys going to be ready in time? And now they're just rerunning the action Bronson thing. We're not seeing that Canadian made stuff yet. So I'm skeptical. I'm wary. I'm leery. It's early days, but it's early days. Let's say some nice things about Vice. Okay, well... I'm going to say some nice things about Vice. I don't know if you have anything nice to say about... I think that Vice is doing the right thing by Ben McCoo in the courts right now.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It's actually surprising to me that this is what the RCMP is going after. To give some background on the Why case... Why don't you give us a little summary sure. of this? Sure. So Ben McCoo, uh, Vice Canada, sort of cybersecurity, national security reporter, he spoke to a, um, a young guy, a jihadist, who went to Syria and joined ISIS... And Ben managed to interview him over social media because these guys are not quiet. You know, they're tweeting there on all these platforms talking about their mission. So Ben got in touch with him, managed to interview him, turned that into some stories. They also managed to get him on air. But that's just good journalism. And they just saw what he was already putting out in public and got in touch with him. And now the RCMP is going after Ben and Vice's notes and their other documents to see, you know, what else they can glean from this. But It's not like they were doing anything outrageous. They just saw this guy publicly tweeting about what he was doing in Syria
0: and just got in touch with him. His name is Farah Shirdan, though I think his ISIS name is something different. Mm -hmm. And apparently he left Canada, burned his passport. And Ben, as you say, saw him just like boasting on social media about being an ISIS badass and connected with him. And then he did a series of interviews and then Shane Smith did an interview with him. And he's very compelling. He makes good television, Farah Don. You don't know how much to believe him. He's showboating. The black flag of ISIS is going to be raised over the White House and, you know, Canada is going to pay a terrible price. And he interjects lots of like, that's right, my homie, we're coming for you. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's like, okay, here's the new face of the, the Canadian ISIS. And the RCMP... Could have just gotten this information the same way that Ben did. Ben was on the show talking about it when this all happened. It's in the courts now. It's before a judge now. And what he said was that he's not trying to hold back anything that is of any national security interest. Anything good he had, he used. Of course. This was not a confidential source. This was not a secret source. Why then wouldn't he just give his notes over to the RCMP? And this is actually a really important principled stand that Ben and Vice are taking, which is here's what happens if they just hand that stuff over. A, the next time they ask for an interview with anybody Mm -hmm. who may run afoul of the law, then that person has to consider that they're going to get sold out by the journalist and that they're essentially talking to the RCMP when they talk to the journalist. So essentially you create a, a circumstance where you're given a very powerful disincentive for people to speak with the media. That's the first part. And I think the second part is that this sort of de facto turns journalists into an arm of law enforcement. Exactly. That our investigations are just yours, government, for you to have and to use. That's not what we're here for. And Ben's prepared to go to prison, he says. I was communicating with him earlier today, and he told me that, yeah, if it comes to that, if he's held in contempt of court, and it may be the kind of thing where they put him in prison until he coughs up his notes and falls into line, or they could give him a sentence. It's sort of uh, ambiguous. It's interesting because this is a potentially precedent-setting case there is nothing in law that gives journalists protection against this kind of demand, uh, production order from the authorities. And maybe this is like a more complicated thing that we want to get into here. that I can even figure out what I think about. Like, I would resist legislation that gives special protection, shield laws for journalists because then the government is once again in the position of having to determine who is a journalist and who isn't. Right. And I can see the RCMP's point of view and I can see the public interest of like, look, you, Mr. Journalist, don't know what we're looking for. We may be looking for metadata that's going to help us find this guy and prevent an attack. I see that point of view, and yet I think that Ben and Vice are doing the right thing. Of course. And the RCMP has
1: said that they can't necessarily share all the details of what they're looking for. That scares me too, man. Well, that's the thing. But also, I think your bullshit alarm should go off anytime there's a precedent-setting case that has to do with terrorism, because what's easier to get the public on board for than saying, there's this bad guy, we can describe him as a terrorist, and if only the press would cooperate on this one tiny thing, and before you know it, it sets a precedent. The same thing is going on right now with Apple and the FBI in the U.S., where they say, look, there's just this one bad guy. If you just unlock his iPhone for us, that's all we're looking for. But of course, that's not it. And they've even said on the record that they would use this as precedent to create backdoors into
0: encryption. And it's not just what happens in the States, but once Apple says, OK, if the authorities say they really need the information here, well, Apple does business all over the world. Like, why? You're going to do that when the American authorities ask you, but not when the Saudi Arabian authorities ask you to? Like, do you like doing business here? Do you want to be here when the Russian authorities ask you to? It's not like a hypothetical slippery slope. That would happen tomorrow.
1: Exactly. So, yeah, I totally applaud Ben and Vice for the stand they're taking. I really hope they prevail just for the sake of other journalists who would have their notes subpoenaed or...
0: Is that the right word? Do you subpoena notes? <laughs> yeah, well, there's like uh, there's different things. There's different ways that the courts can ask for it. Yeah. Uh, Basically- I'm, Some is going to send me something telling me that I got it all wrong, but uh, yeah, it's a subpoena or a production order. I don't know. Is that the same thing? I don't know. I think it's a production order, yeah. Okay. Uh, but I mean, like you said, it's wild to think that Ben
1: would have gotten something that he didn't report. You know, if this guy had said, I'm planning an attack tomorrow and laid out details, of course that would have been reported. So what the RCMP is looking for is- Because we don't know, we just really can't take their claims at face value that this is actually going to help them. My
0: bullshit detector is going off in a bunch of different ways. My bullshit detector went off as soon as I saw this kid, Farah Shirdan, talking his rhetoric. I'm sure he's ISIS. To some extent, I think that anybody who can kind of get themselves over to Syria and say, I'm ISIS, they love to, I think, recruit Western kids. I'm sure he's involved to some capacity, but he was such a blowhard and he was so aggrandizing and something about it just didn't seem right. Like I did not think that this guy is in the in the mission control planning the next attack. And I think that the RCMP. I think that it was more that they were embarrassed that Vice had this story and they didn't know about this kid. And so then they've got to launch their investigation. And then I also felt like, why do you have to ask Ben for this communication? Like he did this all over open protocols. This wasn't an encrypted conversation. He used the Kick Messenger app. Right. Like usually you just go to Kick. The tech companies hand that stuff over pretty easily in Canada if they're not like getting it at the source through CSAC, which I mean, the fact that they had to go to Ben, if anything, is a really good advertisement for kick messenger. Like that's what I'm going to use now. (laughs) If the RCMP can't get that any other way, that's a good way to have a private conversation.
1: Well, I think that probably plays part of it. Like kick messenger, not a lot of people use encrypted chat or whatever journalists use that doesn't just sound like a phone conversation. I think the second it sounds a bit more exotic, you can sort of get people on board saying like, okay, maybe the cops should have a look at that, but I really think it's important for them to hold the line and I think they deserve support from journalists across the country for
0: this. Yes, they do deserve support from journalists. Right now the stories are just basically giving a pretty cold assessment of the two sides of this story when you read the in the CBC and the Globe and Mail. And the only thing that feels slanted to one side or the other is the photo choice. Did you see that photo of Ben that they ran?
1: All right, Ben is a handsome man already. I will admit that. But the photos that uh, have been running with the news stories make him look like a model. He he looks great in his like three piece
0: suit. His like windswept hair. Oh, he looks great. He's very well groomed. I think we're tipping the scales a bit on that. But that's not my point. My point, if you look at the actual specific headshot that's run, I think the Globe and the CBC. He looks terribly sad. He's a very sad, handsome model. Well, I asked him, were you actually sad when they snapped that? Or did they just happen to catch you in a moment of sadness or a moment of constipation? Because it could have been either. And he said, no, I was not sad. I was angry at what was happening. Maybe they caught me scowling. But it occurred to me then, it flashed back in my mind when Nigel Wright was testifying and the scrum was like following him. And he had that creepy smile plastered on his face. He's saying, I am not giving any comments right now. And he looked like the Joker. And I realized, oh, that's a smart media tactic. Because as soon as you like have like a resting face, they're going to take a picture of that and try to like have like this disgraced perp walk photo <laughs> of you entering a courthouse. I felt like that Ben deserves a better headshot, is what I'm trying to say.
1: Oh, he could always go to court with a newspaper over his head. Although I feel like that might also backfire. <laughs> Ishmael, thank you. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: That is your Canada Land Shortcuts. I hope you enjoyed it. You can email me anytime. I'm at jesse at canadalandshow.com. We are on Twitter at Canadaland. Ishmael, where are you? I'm on buzzfeed.com and at Twitter slash ID4RO. Our website is canadalandshow.com and our crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash Canada Land. The next episode of Canada Land will be up on Monday. The next episode of Canada Land Commons will be up on Tuesday. The show is produced by Kevin Sexton. If you like what we do, please support us. you see that Kathleen Wynne thing with, with, uh, with oh, yeah. the pink blob? Yeah. Pink dong? Pink cock. It's a pink cock. it's a Yeah, it is. <laughs> we got an angry a letter, not towards us, but angry that the media, like, I hadn't even thought about this. The two students in that photograph. What about them? I don't know. Like, are they being made fun of today?
1: Well, no, come on. They did a cool volcano experiment, and for a split second in one photo taken by a reporter, it looked like a giant pink dick. In the States, that would never not be a thing that makes the the blogs or the news... But in Canada, everyone has a sense of propriety and it drives me crazy. Of course it was funny and noteworthy and we've
0: all already forgotten about it. For a split second when I read that email, I thought, oh, those poor girls are being made fun of today. And then I thought like, how are you not going to run the picture of the big giant foamed pink dick? And I'm not going to put black bars over
1: the kids' faces as though they've done anything wrong.
0: They haven't done anything wrong.
1: They're chemists.
0: Hold your heads up high.